Hello, everyone. My name is Julie from Brooklyn, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, today is a very special day. Uh, it's December 10th, and it so happened that um, I'm speaking tonight on my 12th anniversary of abstinence uh, by the grace of God, and, and I'm serious. It, it's, it's only by God's mercy and grace that I'm still alive um, from the compulsive eating disease and that I have 12 years of imperfect abstinence. I have worked the steps um, exhaustively in this program and received amazing healing. The numbers are that I started out at uh, 310 pounds. I went for gastric bypass and only lost 30 pounds because my disease took over again. And so uh, four years later, um, after the surgery, was when I became desperate enough uh, for recovery and willing to give up the food as a crutch and as a as a, as, a, as a higher power. Um, I won't talk too long about my past. Um, I should mention to everyone that I have the coronavirus. I am home by the grace of God. I did not have to be hospitalized. However, I've suffered a lot. Um, and so if I get tired, I may not do the full 20 minutes. I hope um, that my higher power allows me to help somebody tonight with this talk. Um, I started out in uh, an abusive uh, home. We were middle class, but only because um, my parents used a lot of credit cards. And, um, but that's for another program. Um, uh, I come from a family of compulsive overeaters, except for my two brothers. My two parents and I were compulsive overeaters. Um, uh, I was uh, neglected, ignored, emotionally abandoned, um, and then actually abandoned in Ireland when I was 11 years old, uh, never to really see my mother again. Um, I had um, weight problems as a young child, having started my eating career at least by age four. Um, there's a picture of me in front of a cake and my mother slapping my hand away from licking the uh, icing. And... Uh, and there were further signs. I went on my first diet at age eight. And again, it was all about, um, you know, uh, slimming down. The diet worked, and but I was starving hungry um, on the diet. But I followed it. I had no choice because no kids would sit with me or switch food. And I just had to eat what was put in front of me. And anyway... Um, Come age 11, my mother brought me and my younger brother on a vacation to Ireland, and she put me in a school and uh, then took off. And I was in Ireland in a school, uh, a very strict school, um, later on in the Magdalene Laundry, uh, for six years until I was 17. And my father got involved and brought me back to the United States. I was aging out of the school where I was at. 
my grandmother took me in and uh well I had been in Ireland even though I ate voraciously I didn't really gain weight I was told to be careful however um because the, the nuns could see that I had a tendency to possibly put on weight anyway I got away with it until I got back to the United States and where I promptly started to put on weight and became we were off to the races again and uh um, I had always thought of it as a, uh, you know, a physical problem, you know, just, you know, deal, deal with, um, you know, the, either try to ignore the pain of being too fat for clothes, um, and, and too uncomfortable to move comfortably and so on. What I had no idea of was that in fact, um, this is a threefold disease. Um, it, um, the, um, the acknowledgement of a food, a food and eating disorder, food disorder and eating disorder, it, it's very um, uh, subtle in terms of, um, it's very easy to deny that there's anything irregular or, or sick or, you know, unhealthy about, you know, um, <clears throat> eating. Um, I had always thought, well, I just love, love eating. I love the food. And, you know, um, it's a healthy thing because you build up. You don't want to be too skinny. You know, skinny meant you weren't healthy. At one point, I, I held at a point of pride that I ate more than my father, who was, you know, over 300 pounds. Anyway, um, I um, uh, started having flashbacks of abuse that I experienced, sexual abuse included, and emotional abuse and so on. and. Um, so what I did is I, I got crazy busy. I went to work, went to college at night, and then I joined karate because I found that I needed an outlet for my rage about what my memories were. And I trained, um, like a maniac for six and a half years until finally, um, I wore myself out. I was running away from my feelings and from the, the effects, the emotional effects of the spiritual effects of the trauma until I finally broke, had a series of breakdowns and uh, became unable to work, unable to do karate, unable to do anything except leave the house to see the psychiatrist and the therapist. That's all I saw. I was isolated, slept 18 hours a day, put on, um, you know, um, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of pounds um, until at first I was over 200, then it crept up to 266 and then finally 286 and finally 310 and i went on a vacation and a nurse um who happened to be on the cruise by herself also um and from brooklyn was was rather nervous for me for my heart the amount of heavy i was Anyway, um, I didn't do anything about it until, as I say, the gastric bypass, which is the full, you know, the full Monty, the full, you know, ruin why, where they cut your stomach to a small pocket and they cut a piece of your small intestine out and they, you know, it's invasive surgery and, they, and you have to go to ICU for a few days. And anyway, um, after losing 30 pounds, that was it. Four years later, um, I... I began to have agonizing pain all over my body. Now, I, I'd, I'd had a diagnosis of fibromyalgia um, 
quite a bit prior to that, but this this was becoming unbearable pain, um, the kind that you you just can't you know deny or pretend isn't there. And I actually denied and pretended it wasn't there as best as I could for almost a year. Finally, November came, and I was seeing that I was going to lose my ability to walk. I didn't either need a I certainly needed a cane, but you need a walker, a wheelchair, and I finally surrendered and asked for help. I asked for for help from uh, an action partner in another program, I was twelve step program I was working. Come to find out, she was twenty two years abstinent from uh, compulsive eating and flour and sugar, and so God must have put her in my life. She said, she said, try the ninety day program. Anyway, five days after my first phone meeting. I was struck abstinent, um, and uh, I went on a 36, 35 to 36 day horrible withdrawal, which I don't wish on on my enemy, worst enemy. I secluded myself around Christmas time. Secluded myself in my apartment like I was in inpatient in a psychiatric hospital. Went nowhere, did nothing, but all it was for me was the focus was abstinence. I, I had become desperate to no matter what, never let go of my abstinence. So by the time the the um, withdrawal, physical withdrawal was over, um, my head had cleared. I had no idea that my head was clouded. That's the way I always was until this new clarity came. But then also emotions were awakened. I immediately started working the steps. You know, I didn't have a sponsor. Um, I, I, I wrote out step one, two, and three. Step one, I, I acknowledged that I, I was going to be dead. Um, be, before I, shortly before I had my absence, I sat outside in the night in the in the um, bus stop and had to admit to my innermost self that I was likely going to die within the next 18 months. I was 47 years old, and that was a very sobering thought. Um, I had to live with that thought. That thought would not go away. And, and I just knew it as a reality. And I realized then I had a choice. Do I want to live or do I want to die? If I want to die, then I got to continue, um, you know, pretending that the food is not, you know, my cons- overconsumption of food is not killing me. Or I had to face the reality and be terrified of giving up the food and face face the terror, face whatever pain or hardship I might have to endure to get away from this this thing which was killing me, which was my my compulsion to keep eating and having another bite and another bite and another bite, um, again to the tune of three hundred and ten pounds. So I chose to live, and I I became as fanatical about holding on to my abstinence as I had been about spending $900 the previous month, each month on food, uh, low quality food. The second step, um, I had always had good um, feelings about uh, God, but somehow this God was inadequate. Um, I needed a personal higher power that was with me in my weakness, that I didn't have to prove that I'm strong and I, and I can do it myself because I clearly wasn't able to. I tried every which way to lose the weight, couldn't do it. 
And what I learned when I came into the program is it's a threefold disease. Uh, as I say, it's very insidious. One one doesn't realize that. One just thinks it's you know uh, you know um, a physical problem. But my emotions were dysregulated. Um, and I'm not here to tell you that I'm completely emotionally sober yet either. I've had a very long, slow recovery, and they say that's the best kind and it really sticks. So it affected me spiritually, and I'll get into that in a minute. So I had to have a new kind of higher power, one that was smaller, one that was more personal, one that loved me unconditionally. Um, I was told to in working step two, to to ask myself, what do I want from a higher power? What do I need from a higher power? Um, and also, how did I come to believe that a higher power, you know, was even interested in helping me with, um, you know, my eating disorder? N- never mind, had the ability to. And I found a way to 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 decide or to to believe. Um, that this higher power could help me with the eating disorder when I could not. Step three then became uh, a decision. Step three was the decision that um, I can't control this food. It's eating me, it's killing me. Step two was a higher power who cared intimately how I felt, what I thought, what I needed, including intimately what I ate in running this machinery, this marvelous machinery called the human body, which he created. And then step three was into action, made a decision. And and for me, that meant taking a concrete action, physical action in the real world. And that was the day that I made the decision, as terrified as I was, to purchase with very little money that I had at the time, a digital scale. And made the commitment, I said, for the first week I will do it. I weigh and measure my food. Um, I was terrified to do it. I prayed for willingness. I found that whenever I ask God for willingness to do something that I just don't want to do, I am given the willingness, really in short order. I have to pray sincerely for the willingness. It it will always be given to me. Um, So after a week of weighing and measuring, I was so thrilled about um, the sanity that this gave me. Um, And it was also a way of surrendering to my higher power's will for how much I ought to eat. So then I proceeded to start working step four. And somebody asked me, I think I was only in the program, only in in about, I don't know, three or four months. Somebody asked asked me, a chronic relapser asked me to, uh, you know, sponsor them. And I said, gee, I, I just started out, you know, give, give me some time, you know. And they actually waited. And um, later on that year, I, 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 I sponsored her, I helped her. And she became permanently asked and then after years and years of relapsing by the grace of God. So this is really God's power in doing and me getting out of his way. Gentle reminder, you have five minutes left. Thank you. Um, I'd like to say that um, how the disease of compulsive eating affected me spiritually is that after um, repeated trauma and diagnosis of complex PTSD as a result, 
and the addiction and in addition mental illness all of that culminated to put me in a position where I was stuck focused on myself in morbid ways what's wrong with me how can I feel better I can't help myself I'm alone I'm helpless I'm pitiful and that's not God's design for me for me God's design for me is that I allow I be powerful allow higher power to work through me to serve other people not in a martyr type of way where I'm suffering to serve them or sacrificing to serve them but where I'm filled with joy and I serve and I'm not morbidly um, obsessed with myself and my pain and my needs and my misery. God does not want me to be miserable. God wants me to be joyous, happy, and free. And I'm still learning that lesson. And I've had to give myself permission to find out and embrace what joy is happy and free is. I'm still learning. I'm still in kindergarten with that and uh, I give all the newcomers permission to surrender and, and reach for joyous happy and free one has to do the work obviously it's a lot of very hard hard painful exhausting work but it is worth it because I have become a new person I'm still getting there you know I'm not there yet still getting there um, so I hope that I have helped somebody. Um, I didn't realize that I, I'd actually make it for the full 20 minutes. I hope I've helped somebody. It's one day at a time for me, sometimes one minute at a time. Other, other times, my abstinence flows very freely. In fact, most of these years, it's been um, you know, not white-knuckling it. Um, and I'll finally, uh, final word is that... Um, don't give up uh, reaching out f to other people. Um, it is um, through the steps, the program, higher power, and other people, other compulsive recovering, compulsive abstinent recovering, compulsive overeaters, and even those not abstinent, that we recover together because I cannot do this alone. My name is Julie from Brooklyn. I'm in Eastern Time. I t I am... I, um, uh, I'm a compulsive overeater, and um, and uh, I will leave my number, but I, I caution you, can you give me maybe three or four days before calling me? You can text me, but I am still recovering from a very severe case of the coronavirus. I'm home now by the grace of God, but I need um, peace and quiet. So if you want to contact me later, do it.